0: What's up guys and welcome to the third episode of the This Is Nonsense podcast. I'm your host Emma Zia.
1: And I am your other host John Templeton. And joining us today is Joel Brown. And I'm just going to do two bios for Joel because there's like the official one and then there's my one. The bro one. The bro (laughs) one. So the um, official one is that Joel is a master coach um, and he really is that's kind of a bit of the personal one he's uh being he was he was featured on the thinking grow rich movie he's spoken on stage with tony robbins he's spoken all over the world um and this is from his instagram bio he's the follower of the way and the truth and that's why we've brought him on today because we're going to dive into uh, religion christianity Christianity the perspective that religion and Christianity has on spirituality and also the perspective on what is happening in the world today now my personal bio for Joel <laughs> um he's just a down to earth freaking awesome dude that uh, cares about people cares about people and you know I lived with Joel for uh, about a year maybe and during that time Joel had the opportunity to choose between like making more money or being true and every single time he chose being true and I was like me and this guy are gonna be great friends for a long time because there's just that's you know that's a high value for me and so I can put my hand on my heart and say that you know Joel is someone I I trust um, and I really know that he he has everyone's best interest at heart yeah Mm -hmm. so I know you had a question for Joel that wanted to kick this all off, Um, so yeah, I'll hand it over to you.
0: I have a lot of questions. I'm actually so excited about this episode because, like, John and I have been speaking about religion a lot recently, haven't we? Like, the last few weeks, it's just come up almost every day, I'd say, in our conversations. Um, I don't really understand religion that well, so I'm really excited to have a further understanding of it through this episode and through speaking with you, Joel, but um yeah and i'm also interested and excited to kind of share my perspective on it and see see how that rolls so i want to kick off today's episode with asking you what is god to you
2: oh (laughs) well first of all thank you so much for that intro that's very hard and i love it and that's the reason why i'm friends with you too and i'm loving getting to know you as well question you start with the biggest <laughs> you didn't start with like a warm up it was like what is God Straight in. <laughs> uh, God is someone that you can't put in a box you know and I think that this is the biggest issue with religion is they try to put him in a box they did the same thing to Jesus and they hated that they couldn't put him in the box he was too radical for the way that they wanted their structures to be and radical to the point where he would speak truth in their face no matter what he's very much like us when you think about it, like he obviously, his standards are at such a high level in, in the way of live, but he invites us to come into that space. And so, you know, they, they wanted to put an end to Christ. They crucified him on the cross, one of the most excruciating ways to die, to absolutely shame him and do whatever they could to put an end to him. And even then, he lived on, you know? So for me, I look at it like, wow, it's like no matter how much we're there dissing God and blaming God. God continues to extend his hand of grace, you know, and this Christian worldview, and it's interesting because you say Christian, but I don't even feel like I even align with a lot of Christianity. I think Christianity is a, can be a big problem. I'm very much about following the way of Christ because when you look at the disciples, they would often refer to what they believed in through Christ was the way. And Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? Very bold statement. No guru, messiah, No one had ever been that radical in truth to say that and
1: and mean it. Can you say that again, Joel? What what did he say?
2: I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the
1: Father except through me. What does that even mean?
2: Well, he says, He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? So we're to look at Christ as a being. He is the Emanating character and expression of God, right? So every other religion in my study of theology, and even just going into my own personal studies and my own personal experience and talking with theologians and apologists, what I've discovered is that every other religion, when you really not it down and pull it apart, every other religious belief is about you walking your way up the mountain to win the love of God through traditions and rituals, which actually is paganistic. It's pagan. Right. So if I have a pagan view of God, I fear God, but I fear God not in a respect like you'd fear a father that that's there, that's like Whipping there you. guiding you, and that you ought to learn and be open-minded, right? But a fear <coughs> that he's going to send a lightning bolt down from the sky and strike me, you know, uh, or you know that I need to, you know, pray this many times in this direction, that direction, do all these things to win the love of my father. That's a narcissistic relationship, you know, John. If you held a gun to Emma's head and said, love me.
1: What do you mean, if I did? What do you mean, said, if I did? That was last night. You mean, <laughs> you mean when, I, when I do. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: no. So, Just a so disclaimer. <laughs> there was, was no device. Say, okay,
2: you can get a super king <laughs> on That's the way you go. So Let's say, Let's say you did, and you said, love me. And even if Emma said, okay, I love you, is it true? Is it really true? Or is it out of fear? And this is what religion does, is that... It's like you're burning eternal hell and damnation and it's, it's come from the institutions that saw how powerful what Christ taught as the wave was and went, we're going to utilize that. And it's evil empire. It was Rome at the time, and they combined church and state together. It's when politics comes into religion as a superpower. And you see what the result of that is. It's the medieval ages. It's the dark ages, where they went around hunting down people that didn't believe in what they believed. Witches. Type of yeah, that too. That happened in uh, Sweden, I believe. You know the, the Salem witches trials, and it's just it got out of hand. It's just like let's start just killing off anyone that we don't agree with, and then were are throwing anyone there was no sort of ground anybody could stand on. It anything goes, and that's a world of pure evil. And this is why I believe Christ came as a remedy to heal that. We're an infected world. You know, we do our best with what we have, but this is why Christ says, "I'm the way, the truth, the life. Like follow me, come in my walk." Walk with me, right? Because he's the one that escaped the matrix. He came out of the matrix. He transcended it, and he's inviting us to walk with him out of it, too. No one has transcended the matrix. Christ has. Mm. So it's just that's next level. To me, I'm like, well, you know, people may say, oh, you know, I look up to Tony Robbins and whatever. I'm like, great. <laughs> he's a great dude. I know you know? And he's awesome. But has he done what Jesus has done? A poor carpenter boy recruited some of the most unlikely people, fishermen and tax collectors and a prostitute Mary, magdalene and sat with them and broke bread with them and taught them what it's like to come down the mountain, God, incarnate expressing and connecting and teaching us about relationship that's why I'm big on relationship with God, not re- religion with God, and he's the only one that came down the mountain to meet with us, to break bread and teach us about truth, love and vividity. everything else is you got to win it
1: so, so let's, because so, this is important. me, that's that's what it is. I, w- I, I want to get clear on this, because I'm not 100, percent and I think it's important. So, so you're saying Jesus, carpenter boy, um, grew up and recruited disciples. Yeah, just break this down layman's terms for me. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and I one of them I was, one, one of them was Mary Magdalene okay he said I'm on a mission what was his mission?
2: so you got to remember this was said in Jerusalem right and the Jews had no one from the Old Testament especially a verse in Isaiah knowing there was a Messiah that would come it's written many times throughout the Old Testament even when Moses was sharing the message of God and it came through him as a prophecy that there'd be a Messiah and it's cool because there's so many texts you can see that there would be a Messiah that would come one day and so when Christ came What's interesting is, it became he became almost like a stumble block for the Jews that were so deep in their religion because by the time Christ came, there, you remember there was the Ten Commandments. God originally crafted that because the the, the Israelites that came out of Egypt, Egypt, that came out of Egypt, they were, had a very big slave mentality. So God had to go hardcore, like here are the laws and commandments. You must. He, he needed his people in order to be able to carry them through history to create the lineage of King David, <coughs> Mary, and then Jesus to come into the world as God incarnate, right? So we have this. This is playing out. Christ then shows up, and he starts healing, performing miracles. And so this is like this is how we are as humans. We need to kind of see things happening in order to believe it. Yeah. And then meanwhile, he's sharing parables and powerful things that have never heard before They were drawn to him. And those that weren't open to the truth which is kind of like what we're living in right now, mm-hmm. those that were so deep in their darkness that weren't willing to take ownership in their life, they were the ones that hated. They pointed and went, you know, like, this guy is wrong, and they tried <coughs> to throw religion at him, and every time they did, he stood in their face. And he spoke truth, and it triggered the hell out of them. Right? S- yep. So the thing about this, he recruited the most unlikely people. He was on a three-and-a-half-year mission. So from 30 years old to 33-and-a-half was when he was hung on the cross. And he said, "Not only will I spiritually resurrect, I will bodily resurrect. Because if he he says that he will come and re- give us eternal life, how can we how can we believe that? It was when he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead, which is in the scriptures, it's reported. And then when he raises himself from the grave, spends 40 more days with witnesses, over 500 witnesses, and then ascends. Right? That's when his disciples went out and spread the message." There's a poor little covenant boy with the most unlikely people, three and a half years in mission. That's it, just three and a half years in mission. And he he's he's now, you know, has this belief system where there's over two point five billion people that worship him today. If you want influence and you want to know what that it that's influence. So it can't just be I have got uh, s- it's spiritual level
1: influence. I got so many questions. Yeah. So <laughs> like so many. So
2: I hope, you got a, I hope this is a long episode. <laughs> well, we got we got to it. Two hours. Two hours. <laughs> so a,
1: a Carpenter boy, he he's at thirty, thirty-three. You know, during that period of his life, did he have to do shadow work? Like, was he he I mean he wasn't perfect that whole time. Was he stealing? Was he banging chicks? Like what was what was he doing at the start? And did he have like a kundalini awakening yeah. and then he was like, I've seen the truth, this is it.
2: Ran into the temple and they were looking for him. And they're looking around for Qarawa, and then they come into the temple and there he is standing there. And they're like, what, what were you doing? And he said, Don't you? He turns and goes, Don't you know I'm here with my father? And I'm like, What? Mm-hmm. And he looked at the lamb, which was a sacrificial lamb on the altar, and he, he said, That's me. He just knew it in him. He's like, I'm here for this. And this was this like he had this connection with God, right? Obviously, he's God incarnate in the flesh. Like it was planned pre before this, and it might be hard for some people to understand that to wrap your head around it. We literally have to be on here for like ten hours to break this whole thing down, mm-hmm. the narrative. Mm. But for him to know in his, in his loins, like to just know, like this is this is what I'm here for. I am the sacrificial lamb. I'm here to carry those sins because what they used to do was they would sacrifice the perfect lamb. That was the thing, like the most perfect lamb out of the whole flock, we find it, and it's to remind them as an emotional experience when we sin, when we come out of our original desire, stealing, lying, cheat, whatever it may be. It's an emotional reminder that they experience because they're giving away. Like it's like imagine you had like ten dogs and you got your favorite dog, but you've got to go and sacrifice it. So it becomes this representation of this is what happens as a repercussion because of the choices that we make, right? And you know maybe some of the vegans don't like that but it's like this is how god is able to teach and and i don't think god actually likes the sacrificial thing it's just
1: that that was what was needed at the time. i was gonna say is that like the religion is that religion or is that jesus like because you, you there seems to be a difference here religion is kind of like you think maybe a bit indoctrinated but jesus is like yeah. the truth yeah yeah, yeah. Was that based on God?
2: It was based on God from the beginning of time. With Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when sin entered the world and tore the fabric of reality, It was a consequence that came for them to be reminded of the repercussions of their choices. Right? But you got to think about this: the perfect lamb to be sacrificed. You have Christ come along, who was perfect in His walk. All reported, like you never hear someone say, "Nah, Jesus, sinned He did this and that." There is no, there is no reports of that. There's, it's not there. It's not exist. They couldn't call Him on that. Even people that were non-believers have said there is no report of this man being a heretic or whatever or like a false messiah. So for him to carry through in time in his ministry to come to the point where you know he's, he's made this sacrifice for humanity, it's not that God's up there like I'm appeased now because you died. It's this. If he says that I love you, what is the ultimate love? The ultimate love is to lay your life down for one another. Right, the ultimate, because you can say it, but do you really mean it? He went and meant it and followed it all the way through. Even when his beard was ripped, he was stripped fully naked. Like in some of these pictures in the church, you see like a loincloth. He was fully naked, he wasn't even on a loincloth. It was the ultimate shame. They were spitting on him, they were whipping him with a cat and nine tails. They put, pressed the crown in his head of bonds, whipping his side. His rib cages were, were showing, and he's dragging his cross. And he, even then, he looks up to God and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know. What he means by this is for they do not know. The amount of advance looking forward of the repercussions of what would happen throughout not just history but in time as we move ahead is that he knows that the greatest weight that we carry is the fact that we have done these things and carried it in our body. You know, so to me, I look at sin as a violation of purpose. It's just come out of God's original design and it's like a malfunction in a way. Out of how we because it's not keeping us in our highest and best standards of operating at optimized levels. So Christ knows this, even in that moment, inflicting pain and to be hated on by all these people running, to still so say forgive them is the ultimate love and to to carry himself all the way to the crop us. No one's done that. No one ever.
1: That's and my thing. I'm like, no. that's no one. That's my thing. I'm like, is it real or is it a story? Is it, is it, is it like an Ideology,
0: like metaphorical,
1: yeah. Or did it actually happen?
2: Yeah. There's, so there's many, there's many um, writers in that time, historians, philosophers that noted that there was a man called Jesus and he was crucified. The Jews know that Jesus was crucified too. They don't deny that. They just the, the, what it is, and I mean Jews. That still stay in Judaism which is like what a lot of the Old, Test- what the Old Testament is the reason why some of them didn't see it when it was right before their face is because by the time Christ had come the, the Jews had created over 700 different laws like everything like you can't put a saddle on a donkey on, the, 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 on the, Sunday or you can't pick wheat from a fit. like yeah. they just got so into it right it was just so much and this is when they tried that on Jesus Jesus was like I can still do my work. I'm here for, with my father. Like and he was encouraging the disciples. That's why he was triggering the hell out of this deal. Because they made it too much about religion and constriction. And that's why he said, "You I like, am the way the should the life. Like You guys need to come out of this now. It's time to come out of this. It's about relationship. Uh, it was just so radical. It's like, what's happening now with this whole pandemic? Um, some people, it's just like, how are they not seeing it? It's because they're so deep in like, I'm all about the science. Well, they go so Mm -hmm. deep in the indoctrination of of college or university, or they're so deep in the media, and they're not seeing it. And that's what it was like for Christ to be speaking this truth, and for them to just be like, "This guy is a false messiah. He's a heretic. You know, he would have been called a terrorist in his
1: day because he stood in truth." Mm. Conspiracy theorist. He was a conspiracy theorist.
2: Obviously there's reports can you hear me i think it might be chopped up. we got you we got
0: can you yeah.
2: Hear me now? yeah yeah sweet <laughs> yeah sweet so so look there's reports from the time of people that weren't even believers that and, and from jesus said yeah Christ was a person and he did what he did um, they don't have accounts of him even going against his word like a hypocrite or anything like that there's no statements of these things now just to look at it from a perspective like from the uh, theological ones.
1: Wait, do, do, what's the, theology? Just remind us what theology is.
2: So theology is the study of religion. Okay. Okay, for those that know what that is. Now, theologians, it's like saying a philosopher, right, or a biologist, like those that study theology of religion. The way that you weigh up to see if this is actually legit is there's a framework that we work with. The first one is logical consistency. So some people that are maybe trying to bash on the scriptures would say, oh, there's so many contradictions. But that's when you read it on the surface, you may think, oh, that verse says this, then this verse says that. Now, if we look at it as a bigger narrative over a stretch of time, and we look at there's different tribes and different cultures, right? And different things come going on and
1: different leaders that are represented. Within that. the Bible?
2: Then you got the Bible there with you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Within
1: the Bible. Just right? in case we need to check any verses to make sure you're telling the truth. <laughs>
2: So something back here in this book here says this Then if we look at this one here is there cohesiveness right and so theologians get to work in like four, five, six, seven years of study to pull this up it's debated in holes and, and so on now if it didn't have the logical consistency or the evidence to back it up people wouldn't be listening to that anymore it just wouldn't even be part of a, of a university conversation right it just falls on itself so we have logical consistency and then on top of that we have empirical evidence so the things that are stated in the scriptures about, you know, Isaiah's tomb, or the Red Sea, or uh, these these places in scripture around Jerusalem, right where Christ was, um, even you know the island of Patmos where the Revelator John had that last revelation with Christ, where he wrote Revelation. We'll talk about that and in like
1: part his... two. We're going to talk about Revelations in part two of this podcast mm-hmm. after our halftime break.
2: Actually, exist and if you go to these places, there's tombs there, there's signs, there's people that have crafted things and drawn pictures and so on of them, sculptures of them actually being legit. So, that's called empirical evidence, right? So, where I think where a lot of people come from when they do bash description is usually church cut. They've gone through an experience in church where they've been judged or shamed, and I get it. I, I have a very big, very big issue and concern with religion. I think that religion creates a really big wedge between people like you and I, uh, and, it, and it creates confusion, and I think it's actually designed that way, because if you look at behind it, there's an evil influence that's at play that's utilizing religion in order to capture the truth of those that are in God, or that are choose to be in God through their own understanding, and so it's, it's something really tough to tussle with and contest within our life, it's like, you know, the thing, ultimately, fast forward throughout prophecy, Christianity is the biggest threat to the believers of, of Christ, which is crazy because you would think that it would be something else. But it's actually uh, a religious superpower that turns on its own and starts weeding out the people that are actually living in truth. You know, and we'll get to that later in the episode. But these are the type of things we've got to consider, you know, so when I speak with people, for me it's not as important as what's your religion for me what's more important is like what do you want to stand so far about this and like what is your relationship and some people don't even know the difference between relationship and religion they're just like i don't know i just go to church every week it's like would you I start speaking about the love of christ they wouldn't know like half the people don't even know they're just like i don't know and i'm like what's in genesis what's that about and they're like i have no idea They don't know what's the first book of the bible what creation is what jesus actually did you know? and it's like if i want to be in a relationship with someone like you guys you want to know each other it's like you want to know each other's character right and you ask questions Mm -hmm. you want to make sense of it and a lot of people don't they just will see it on the surface and go that's a bunch of BS," you know all that there i hate that because it goes against this other value but you don't actually know the depth of it or even found consistency or, or mm.
0: cohesiveness in, in coming to that conclusion mm. can I just jump in here before you do yeah, because yeah you, <laughs> you go, you go. <laughs> I've been waiting to speak <laughs> John oh, has a tendency t- to interrupt <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so much that I want to ask you but on the note that you just said that segues me perfectly into kind of my experience with religion I've never felt comfortable being in a church it was the weirdest thing I remember being a kid, being a teenager being at christenings I felt so, so uncomfortable and I think I've done a lot of self-inquiry about it because just as you said, I think I don't understand the depth of religion and I think when you look at the concepts and the ideals and the philosophies that run through religion, it's so beautiful, so powerful and you can actually see the stream that runs through all religions that exist on this planet. I think what kind of triggers me or did trigger me, I'm kind of working through it, is really about this this good and bad heaven and hell as one of the points and you just mentioned about evil before and i really want to get your perspective on what is evil because i speak a lot about the lightness and the darkness having to coexist because you know the light shows us the way but also the dark shows us the way you know through challenge through struggle through conflict and contrast so What's your kind of thoughts on evil and also, you know, hell and the devil and how that plays into religion and your relationship with God?
2: Yeah, yeah, well, okay, great question, fully loaded. You're dropping the big one. <laughs> <Good. laughs> so let's look at it like this. Um, you might hear some things where you're like, "That's kind of trippy, joel That's kind of weird. Like, I don't know if I believe that. That's cool. That's okay." Um, I've been like that too. I've, I've had times in my life where I told one, my my mom once when she brought to like, I'm like, that sounds alien. I'm just not. This sounds crazy, and I I booed it. You know, I was like, I'm not not into this. It's kind of it's too weird, too out there. Um, but then I experienced some really weird stuff in my life, and I was like, actually, it's probably not as weird as the stuff I've actually experienced in my later years. So I'm guessing that um, yeah, there could be some legitimacy to it. So as I share, just it's on the table maybe consider it, pick some stuff that you want. If you don't want any of it, all good, won't be you know, intimidated by that or worry about it. We, we get to choose. Sometimes we plant seeds. Sometimes I say something, you're like, eh, and then later on, you're like, oh, I see that. I connect the dots. So, right now, we are living in a narrative, whether we like it or not. There's a story that's u- playing out and it's unfolding, okay? Whether somebody believes in evolution, everything's just evolving. If some people believe that there was this, like, Big Bang came out of nothing and boom, whether someone believes in a Virgin Mary, uh, it's it's like, what do we believe? Virgin universe or Virgin Mary? Like, which one, right? And so, the way I look at it is, as you go deeper into biology and you go deeper into science and you go into the metaphysical, you see that there's these incredible, undeniable mysteries of life and incredible cre- creations and things in our DNA and. Our that's in the universe and the power that's in us, it's insane. And so for me, I, I, I find it very hard to think that we're just literally just popped out of nowhere and we're dancing with our DNA and then we just fob off. Like I, I struggle with that concept a lot. And I look at it, and I've tossed with it a lot, and I look at it like, okay, let's say if we played it like this, there is a creator. Now, John and Emma, if you created a product would you want it to just go to crap, or would you, if you create a product, would you want it, if you were to put it out there, you'd want it to do the best that it could,
0: mm-hmm.
2: to do the best, right?
1: Yeah. Let me think right? about that. Of course, it. it's
2: not a trick question. It's, just like, <laughs> if you it's like you spent time, but it's like you wanted to go out there and do its thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you had a child, right, you want you had a child, would you want it to be going through just? mistake after mistake after mistake and not growing and and you know not living its best life It's just like you plop it out and here we go, that's done. Go your do thing. Probably not. You probably want to guide it. You want to be able to have a relationship with it. Right. You want to see it do its best that it can and live in its potential. That's exciting yeah. to share the greatness of what's possible. So when I see God, I see God as as this loving father who, you know, birthed the universe through his creation and and through us in his expression of love created incredible things in this world. We see nature and we see, you know, the ocean and we see the animals. Like we, Incredible stuff. The fruit and the vegetables and all these incredible things that are here for us to live off and to have dominion over. Now, there's a narrative to this because if there's that love and there's that good, then what would be the opposite of that would be what we would consider evil and darkness, right? Now, at the moment, as far as we've lived in our life, for us it's like well, there's got to be polarity for us to make sense of this and it c- contrasts each other. Like You wouldn't have one without the other in this t- in this current reality world. Now, if you go into to the narrative of believing in creation and believing in God and even Christ, uh, even if you're I- into Judaism and just believe in God, you just consider the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament, you still believe that ultimately before the beginning of time there was this Place in heaven, okay, and a heaven to us as we don't know it yet, but we've been—it's been described to us. But there's this kingdom of God that exists, and there's these angels. We call them angelic type beings because they're not of this world, right? In another dimension, and so you have these angels and gods there, and then you have Archangel Michael, and you have uh, Lucifer, right? You, so you have Christ, you have Lucifer, and then Lucifer was known as the lead angel second in charge essentially he ran the music in heaven and he was there uh very talented very influential and so what he does is one day it's called god God says i found you know you found iniquity in your heart which means there's that desiring more power is trusted in what god's already created yeah right so this like little <laughs> bit of greed and selfishness starts to come. and what he does is he starts going around, he was the first conspiracy theorist, he would go mm-hmm. around starting all these lies to try and turn the others, the an- angels, towards God to say, like, to try and win over, to say, hey, I think I've got a better way of how we should be functioning in this kingdom, okay? So when you hear that, it's like, okay, so there's, there's a war of words that starts to happen. Now, Lucifer d- uh, demands that they, he has his right to create his own kingdom. And his kingdom is built of and we've already seen it because we're living in the expression of what it, what it's capable of. Of selfishness, greed, right? Taking, like squeezing the juice out of it, taking advantage of, right? This type of destructive nature. And God says, This will not work in my kingdom. So there's this lesson that's unfolding where he's pushing back against God with this war of words and saying this jealousy towards Christ and this I want to run the kingdom this way, and it got to a point where God exiled Lucifer out of heaven, and a third of the angels went with him, which is what we would relate to in this day now, uh, without understanding of this other dimension, is this dark spirits, these fallen angels, okay, now, this thing's playing out, and by the way, we're living here in reality right now, we're, we're like the jury, we're in the courtroom, That's happening, there's this case that's unfolded, and so, it's, it's fair for us to live in this world to think about it like this. If one day we stand before God, and God, because through our choice, through grace and through us choosing Him in relationship, we come with Him in this next life. Or if we live all the way through to this, we meet Him and stand before Him. And He brings us in this space. When we go to His kingdom, do you think we're going to be like, this kingdom's no good. It's going to be the best thing we've ever experienced because we know what it's like to live on earth with this spiritual evil influence of the kingdom of darkness, right? We've tried all the, all the different things. Communism, socialism, deism, humanism, Gnosticism, like all these different isms that should have been wasms. And the best <laughs> bet that we have is democracy. And even democracy is built up distrust. It's mm-hmm. like you can ramble off and say all these things that make you popular, but then when you get in office, you don't have to stick to them. So there's no truth. It's popular or the truth. And so that is our best bet when it comes to government so i I do believe there's this kind of lesson that we're all a part of right now in this jury to know what is evil at its full extent because we experience it in different parts we've got history to show us and we also experience death sickness evil you know heartbreak we experience these things and god's like that's not for my kingdom but why are you here Here's you get to make your decision on what you want right one day when we do go there, because we're trying to create utopia here, I, I do believe that we're trying to give it a good crack
1: but Not, you don't think it's possible? Do
2: do? I don't think it's possible, no nope. because we, we have iniquity in our heart from the beginning of time, we do we have iniquity, you see it like, that's what they
1: teach in the bible isn't it that, 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 that humans are inherently selfish that's taught in the bible isn't
2: it it's, well and the reason what God is doing is he's not like I'm going to punish you and you get you burn an eternal hell because you didn't choose me. That's like sadistic, right? That's freaking, that's off the charts narcissist psychopath. This is what the religion is painting the picture of. Whereas God has created us in his design and he wants us to thrive and what hurts him most more than anything in the sense of like what he, what, what he really hates is the fact that we've come out of that design and not in our full potential and he hates sin the violation of purpose that's our original design—it's like imagine you created a cool te- technological system, and it's so good, and it feels like it's going to create utopia on Earth. And then this infection, this virus, comes in and starts messing with it. Does he pretty objective? With it, does he hate right?
1: sin? Because I mean, does God hate? Is that is that like a God thing?
2: God is masculine and feminine in expression. It's possible for God to hate? It's possible for God to be angry? You know, and this is the thing that I, I keep—I think religion is programmed people to, in a sense, to to think that, like, you no, know, God is just love and that's it. It's like, how do I connect with that? I can't understand that because I've hated it. I felt angry. When you look at Christ, this is what it is Christ lived in the full expression of, of, of uh, the way that He was as a human. Like, put it this way when Christ returns one day, whether we're resurrected or we're standing before Him as we've gone through a tribulation, whether it happens in our lifetime or maybe beyond us. When you're standing before Christ, Christ is the mediator because Christ is the one that has lived on earth and experienced that full expression of punishment, suffering, bearing the weight of the sin to the full extent, shame, guilt, and all of these things in this in this world, that he can stand there and be that judge because he knows what it's like. But if God stood before us, that wouldn't be fair. Because it's like, well, God, you don't understand because you're the creator of all, but you're not actually, you haven't lived in this And we wouldn't know that. That's why we needed Christ to be the representation of that, so we can have that relation that connection and understand that with Him. So I think a religion in this whole sense of, like you were asking before, Emma, hell. What I've come to understand about hell is this, that if God is love, if He is what really says that He's love, yes, He can express these different things, but if His center point is love, truth, and liberty, which is freedom, And Christ is a representation of that. You want to understand God? Look at Christ, how Christ is. That's the real truth of of God. Then if he is that, and he gives us free will to choose, if we by choice deny God and push away and don't want to be in the presence of God, we've chosen that Mm -hmm. ourselves. He hasn't done that. He's given us grace and we've chosen not to. Then the absence of love, because at some point it just has to come to an end. It can't keep playing. Evil will just disintegrate. There'll be nothing left of us. This is why there must be a return of Christ. So, at the end of it, if we just decide not to choose love, what do we get? By default, that would be hell. To not live in the presence of love and that's withdrawn now because of our choice, that would be hell. And when Christ stands before us in all His glory and all His righteousness, if you look through at the passages in the Old Testament, some of the new, there's always this like description of standing in the presence of the holiness of Christ in the transfiguration, when he's standing on the mountain with the disciples, and when you hear about God, when the, it, when the Jews were going into the temple in Exodus, in our, our Deuteronomy, that some of them that were in covered in their sin, that hadn't done the sacrificial process of relieving the sin, they, if they were to go into the temple, which they did, they would burn up from the light and the righteousness and glory. It's not God doing it to us, it's because of what we are in ourselves. And I want you to imagine this from a self development perspective. You're living in all your shame and your guilt. And then you stand before someone who you know is just so doing that thing to heal. They're up in their acceptance, their love, their joy, their peace. It's hard for someone to stand in that knowing where they are in themselves. And that's what this warning is, of that if we don't give our sins to Christ, in the sense of asking Him to wash it from us, to renew our minds, to renew our hearts, to walk in the way, that we're still carrying these burdens. And to stand in the presence of holiness when it says the gnashing and the weeping and gnashing of teeth means to imagine that dropping to your knees, knowing in that moment you denied him, you denied the truth and that you're feeling the weight of all these things, not because he's doing that to you, but because you decided that yourself. There would be weeping and gnashing of teeth because you know what you've chosen. And that's what he continues to warn us about. It's like a loving father that says don't go and touch the hot stove. Don't go and walk out on the road in front of the car. It's like he's doing it from love. And sometimes people have to hear it in a way where it's like, it's intense, because it is intense. But the church takes hold of these things and starts saying, you burn in the eternal pit and the fire will come all this stuff. It's fear. Now you're you're viewing God as this narcissistic dictator and authoritarian with psychopathic tendencies.
0: Which really mirrors what's going on at the moment. Like when you said that, yeah.
2: It's (laughs) the evil influence. It's a beast system playing out, which... Has always waged war t- uh, towards God throughout history, but it's just been mostly passive until Rome became the vehicle of Satan, the adversary. Satan means the adversary, the enemy, which is Lucifer, right? So this evil spiritual influence in the background runs its way through Rome, through the papacy, through the Vatican. It has tentacles out into all these different institutions of, you know, and and you know corporations, and it has this effect. And we're feeling it. We're feeling it right now. You know, all you need to see is the evil influence over someone like Hitler and Stalin. Hitler, for for this very reason, called what he was doing the Third Reich, which means the Third Rise. He was trying to clone what happened with Rome. He wanted to bring Europe together to dominate and then spread out to the world. But Christ says the world will never come into a one. It won't come into a one-world conglomerate. It will never do that. Christ it comes to to end it before that even happens. There's some crazy, there's some heavy
0: stuff. Yeah, I've got some some more heavy questions. I'm just deciding whether to go down this route or not. So, yeah, like touching on that, I think that's the thing is like my experience or understanding of religion is this good or bad, which I feel really moulds people into wearing this good girl mask or this good boy mask. And so they're actually not allowing themselves to be their fullest expression in this lifetime. They're not allowing themselves to reach all potentials within them because they're denying the anger, the frustration or anything that would be redeemed as like bad. And on that note, we were saying the other day, like, you know, you, you hear about a lot of high up priests or popes that do, you know, bad things like molest children and things like that. And we were saying, is it because there's this thing where you have to fit into a, a good box in religion that people find an exhale? because we all have the good and the bad that exist within us. So are they finding an yeah. exhale to release that, which is through things like molesting children? And, and then that kind of ties into, you know, obviously you were talking about Satan and Lucifer and the satanic stuff that we know is happening in the world, especially directed at children. And just, yeah, what's, what's your thoughts on, on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I can definitely, definitely go. I think it's actually really, it's a really good question Two things. Yes, suppression for sure. For sure. But by the way, it happened with the Gnostics too. The Gnostics believed that the consciousness was separate from the body. They would punish themselves and do all these things, and and they would, although uh, like the way they walked around were like monks, you know, but, but they were also committing sexual perverted acts with children and all sorts in, in the freaking chambers, you know, like it was happening too. It is this suppression in, in us that. Creates this like urge and curiosity, so I, I'm not a believer in suppressing. I, I like even when I see, you know, people that decide to commit their whole entire life to just no sex at all. It's like we well, to ask what the intention is behind the choice, right? Like, let's explore that because if it's out of fear, then is that the best place to come from? And I and, and you see in the scriptures over and over again, "Do not fear, do not fear." So God's not God's not saying to don't do that because you burn an eternal hell because of this. That's what the religion is actually creative, right now the second thing we've got to consider when it comes to priests doing these things um you've got to understand that sometimes priests see things in these systems and they know information now if i did something like that right or something like that then wouldn't the perfect thing be for somebody to, to put me on blast so that no matter what else i say in public no one will believe it anymore it totally discredits someone. So there is these games, these chess moves and things happening at a high level, and you gotta remember mm. the higher you climb, the darker the addict can get. Mm. There's more temptations, there's more power greed, control, it becomes like a chess move after chess move or dark a dark chessboard. So like it's almost like the good starts to get squeezed out to the point where there's a shadowing of more of this darkness and that's dangerous. You know, and, and you see it. You see these, these people in this darkness. They'll throw each other under the bus whenever they need to. They don't care. They'll spit out and use people, whoever they are. That's how Lucifer shows up. He uses and abuses, he forces himself into people's lives. I know some friends that have gotten into dark spiritual stuff, going right down that rabbit hole, and they've had been tormented spiritually, they've been possessed, they've had. Um, They've done astral projections and, and all these things have come from it, and just, it's almost ruined their life with certain things that they've done. And they know that there's a dark evil influence. Christ is telling the opposite story. He says, "Come and knock on my door, and I'll open my door and invite you in." Is that forced? Come and knock on my door, and I'll invite you in. I came down the mountain to break bread with you. He also tells tells uh, those that follow the way. He says, "You know, share the truth no matter what." Right. And if they just, for those that want to hear, will hear. And if they don't, dust your feet feet off and keep walking. And love your neighbor, right? Like he he said to, and this is the thing he said to the Jews, he said, I didn't come to rewrite your laws. He said, I came to write the laws on your heart. That's about character. It's got nothing to do with what your religious label is or anything. He goes deeper than that. He thinks deeper than that. He wants your soul and your character. That's what he cares about. You know, like we've all made mistakes. And it's like my I, I was you guys know, actually John, you know, I was married six years ago. I called my wife at the time having an affair. My heart fell into my stomach. I didn't know what to do, my whole identity was shattered, I worked my way back working through it. And you know, she had shared with me that she was, you know, going through these experiences and I said, you know, you got to get yourself out of this space later after we've done here And she said, I just feel like it's my karma for you And I'm like, Ah, screw karma I said She goes, I feel like there's no light. And I go, you get to be the light in the tunnel. Don't wait for the end of that tunnel to feel like you've reached the light. Like, be it now. Like, this is what we're invited to even with Christ. He's inviting us now no matter what. Some of the most people people you never think would come into Christ. He's like, you're all in. Come. Come to me. That's that's with you. He's not forcing me. And I said to my my ex-wife, I said to her, you know, I know that you cheated on me. Right? We got that clear. I asked her, but have you cheated again? She She said no. And I said, So you cheated. You're not a cheater. She's like, And like her shoulders relaxed. I was like, Yeah. Yeah. Like, go on now. Like, do your thing. Like, don't stop holding this guilt and thinking that you deserve it because of what happened. I'm like, You you didn't continue to do it over and over knowing that it was wrong. And that's what Christ is doing. He doesn't want us in shame, guilt, apathy, fear. Right, all these, you know on the the map of consciousness, John, you introduced me to that. Look at it, the enemy of our soul wants us in the lower brackets in destruction. He'll do anything, he'll try and put doubt, he'll want lies, manipulation, orchestration of agendas and all sorts to get people as deep as he can into the shame and guilt. Because we, we can't come from acceptance, love, joy, peace, understanding that creation, which God has put us in, creation, that's how we started. He wants us in power. He wants us in union with him. He wants us to co-create with him. He's inviting us to jam out together. He's—he's not a distant God. Religion creates distance. He's not—he's there with us. Like let's co-create. Let's Mm. make epic things in this world, and let's do it for the kingdom.
0: That—that's another thing that I think has triggered me about religion (laughs) is—is the personification. Of God and how some things I've heard or read or seen is that you know even you you know you you say he so that is a personification just as we say she for Mother Earth that's also a personification but I find that a, a lot of people I've spoken to in religion do speak about it as if it's this guy in the sky or something that's separate from themselves and it's almost like is it that personification that makes people not realize the divinity and the God consciousness that is themselves, that is actually running through their own selves?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, my, you know, my worldview is, is very much, I'm not God. That's my worldview, is I'm not God. I'm God's creation, I'm God's child. I'm, I, I didn't adopt my relationship with God, I chose it for myself, which is different religion brought up in it, it's more like you're adopted because your mom and dad For me, there's God, the Father, God, the Son, Jesus, and mm. then the Holy Spirit, okay? And so, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you invite it into your life, right? It's, it's Christ in you, in the sense that it's this renewing of your heart and your mind, that you're living it. It's like you've asked and invited for that shaping of the character, and you're living within those standards. Like, none of us are perfect you know, John, I, I hung out with you for a year. I'm not perfect. You know it, right? I do my best, you know, and I, I'd like to think that I can course correct and do better, but I do it because I love being in that walk. I love who I am when I'm in that world with him. I do. Like, I don't like who I am when I'm out of it. I notice how, how unfulfilling and meaningless it feels, and I know that my character doesn't come across, my personality isn't expressed fully, you know? So, yeah, I think the shame and the guilt piece of it all is the toughest and I think that there can be especially with religion, um, even in like the new age brackets a lot of the ego stuff can start creeping in, you know like Christ says to us deny yourself and carry carry the cross it's like, that's a freaking tough thing to do, to go I'm it's not necessarily he's making you not not um, accept self love for yourself, that's important right, but it's denying your old you and your old character and trusting him enough that walking in the way of how he walked, in his incredible perfection, in his love, in his truth that he stood for, and in, in what he stood for for freedom for all. Right? He was very big into equality. Like when you have a look, like he raised women up in his time too. You know, he highlighted women and, and throughout history they, they know their names, you know? So like I look at that and go, I'm willing to even deny the old fabricated versions of me that I thought the world wanted me to be and these things that I get to let go now to walk in a higher space with him. I'm happy to do that and not think that I am a god, you know, so can um, I just? I know with like labels we can get intricate with it and everything, mm-hmm. uh, but I do, like, you know, I used to be deep into the New Age stuff and some of that is like, some of it comes in like a lot of circular talk and there's, it's like non-ego, uh, it's like non-ego but it actually has ego behind it and it's a, it can be a confusing space.
0: I just want to challenge you on that because you say you are not God but is God you because if you believe that God created you and you're his creation does that therefore mean that he is you because there, can, there can't there can be a separation between the creator and the creation
2: well so that's a world view and, a world, yeah, and that's a good question so that's a, a specific worldview, which is called pantheism and it's actually it's actually riddled a lot through New Age and it's riddled a lot in Gnosticism as well. Like they have similar, I guess, undertones. But pantheism is that God is in everything. Now, when I hear that, I know what I know what it means, but because of my I guess my my depth in my exploration with what I've looked through with God, it doesn't back it up as it's true in creation in me, in, in, the, in the nature. Now it's like if you created a product do you say that's you or do you say that's s- something you created right and this kind of how we bring it back mm-hmm. to that so I don't th- I like I'm in a place with it where I don't feel disempowered by thinking like that I actually feel empowered because I'm I'm not thinking I have to be God or have God I'm co-creating with him it. it's a relationship right it's not a like a, an ethereal type thing that's like, it's like the universe is all me, and I'm the universe. I don't, I don't think. I think they're separate entities, you know. And and at the end of it, when I look at like on a soul level, I can't pull myself up by my shoestrings and give myself salvation and eternal life. I, ca- I, I can't do it. But through Him, I can, right? So there is this like that is the letting, like denying self and carrying the cross. And it, and it's not. It's funny because like that was probably one of my biggest things was like. I'm really deep in the self-development, which is self-self-self. And I was like, if I let like, go of this and I go this route, right, I'm going to be giving up so much. But I, but I haven't. It only made more of me because I have that trust in my Creator and I'm guided. It's like having a mentor, right? And mentoring me into things. Like, I, I, I laid, laid by his Like, I don't know all these things. Like, I think I know, but I don't know. And there's the things that I don't know that I don't know. And I need your wisdom. And I get to have that. And I get to cook create And I need your revelations. So it's, it's yeah, an interesting journey mm. to go through that process. But it, I also see how people see it in the other light too. It's just not, it doesn't connect with me like it used to.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to add to that, babe?
1: That specifically?
0: Mm-hmm. Or I have another question up my sleeve. Yeah, <laughs> no,
1: you fire them away. I'm, I'm happy listening and, yeah.
0: Observing. Um, I suppose just to, like, round, round that, point off i I suppose when i think about god consciousness or the universe i think about it more rather than me creating a product it's more like the relationship like me creating a human so that you know my energy will be like my dna will be infused in that human so even though that human is separate from me physical uh sorry physically it's like there's still a part of me in that because i created it that's kind of i think what i was thinking about but i do want to ask you because we're getting to the end of the Oh, do you want to add to that? Or
2: No, I think oh. that's actually a great example. Like if I had if you had a child, that child is its own sovereign being with its own free will. You know, like one day we all stand before God. It's like as much as I want my partner to have it, have that be right in the walk and be like she still has to have her own thing and stand before Christ before Christ, right? So in in the sense of what you're saying, it's like they can definitely have expressions like you, and this is what I think God is calling us into is to become, like, especially Christ. is like to become more like Christ in our walk in that way. You know? You know, like, and He's a full integration of feminine and masculine when you look at the whole, if you broke down the scriptures, it's a full integration of feminine and masculine. It's incredible. Mm. So it's like, cool, I want to be that. That's dope. That's, a, that's the highest standard than any other f- fallible human being i've seen on this planet you know there's no other representation that's taking it to the heights he has so it becomes the benchmark and it's like how do you learn from someone like that like a mentor you'd be in relationship with him and it's like you know like john you you sorted out jeff it's like jeff was crushing it so you would want to work with him to reach those standards and that's how i see it with god the, the difference is it's so sort of infinite so i want to connect with that that infinite you
1: know you go.
0: do you see as god then better than you
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, creator of the heavens and the universe, yes. Mm. You know, I. but it doesn't make me feel disempowered to say that or even to do it in that way. You know, like when I actually laid my my life down to say, I don't know everything. It shifted everything for me.
1: I definitely feel at my best when I trust that call it god like when i just trust and ask i know i feel better than them. when i let go of control my biggest nemesis my achilles heel is that i try and control everything and don't you nod your head like no.
0: that. i was hoping <laughs> you wouldn't see that and <laughs> like, i
1: see everything <laughs> no god told me you're doing it he was in my no i know like i've battled with it even for the even still battle with it right it's like and i'll get my claws on something and I know when I'm absolutely at my best. I've actually just gone, you know, God, universe. Uh, to me, same thing. Okay, God, it's like the fabric of reality. That to me, and and the fabric of, of 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 nature, I just see perfection. I see perfection in it all, even the 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 good and the bad. I see perfection in all of it, and I'm like, when I just hand that over to to the divine to the universe to god i feel so much better Fuck it! it's like liberating when you when you know yeah when you don't have to carry that burden yourself that's that's all i know you know
0: and see like i was actually reflecting on this today so i'm happy that this has come up based on what you just said i'm just curious to know if people were to see god as better than them and it's almost like to live as god energy was kind of like an expectation or a standard that they were working towards then would they be living in the vibration of disappointment and actually disregarding that in this present moment right now everything is perfect would they be striving for some sort of perfection outside of themselves and not be present
2: well i mean you could stay that for anything and it's like even with business you know like what kind of standards would i set with business and if i don't get it would i be disappointed right that that's that comes from the bracket of desire. You know, Dave Hawkins talks about. Uh, you know, if I am always desiring, 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 the the view of life becomes disappointing by not needing it. So it's not necessarily like the thing you get; it's it's how you f- feel inside when you're in that relationship. It's and it's something. Th- and this is like remember I said logical consistency, empirical evidence. The last element of the framework is experiential relevance, which mm-hmm. means you've witnessed. You know miracles unfolding before your eyes, you've had prayers answered, you've you've felt the presence of God. you feel fulfilled when you're in. Your end. Like sometimes I have worship music. like super soulful singers, there's like a, a whole bunch of them in this time of this pandemic have got together, like some of the best from all over the US that are coming together and they jam out together and they write incredible music because it's like five of the top writers all writing the same song. and it's like, man, what a beautiful blessing in this time. So I listen to it. And it would anchor me back into no matter what's going on in the world like this here is the reminder of how great our god is that he's on our side that he invites us in that he's got a promise that he fulfills i don't get that from the universe i don't get that from new age like none of that does the promise thing it doesn't do the feeling of that and hearing the worship music and knowing relationship. they're theoretical and they're concepts of things but i never felt the depth of actually feeling a living being in my presence. Actually feeling that stir in my soul and spirit. It's mm-hmm. so different for me. But that's my personal journey. And when I hear like I'm serious, when I hear other people tell me they've had that experience through I literally feel emotional. It's like my soul can recognize that they've also had what we've been able to experience. And we're sharing that in those moments. Mm-hmm. It's insane.
0: I actually, yeah, I want to share a personal experience with that because I could actually never <laughs> use the word God until last year. <laughs> I literally could not use it. Even if someone said it to me, I would be triggered, right? This is how intense my, and I I was saying to John yesterday, like, I think the reason that I've always felt so uncomfortable with religion is because I think in past lives, you know, religion has ridiculed witches and healers and shamans and psychics. So I think for me, it's more like my soul and my, my DNA remembers that because I feel like that's what I have been in past lives, but Um, we were laying in bed maybe like three months ago and we were setting an intention before we went to bed and I was like let's say a prayer and I said God and do you remember I was laying there and I was like whoa like the vibrations I felt running through me was insane and it's what I feel on a daily basis in my meditations but never from actually saying the word God and I think it almost like it acts as an anchor. And obviously before we jumped on this podcast, we all did a prayer together and I used the term God. And it's like, I think now I've become so okay with using the term because it's the intention and my perspective of that term. But it definitely anchors in that that God consciousness frequency. And I think I can understand. I understand it more now. I understand how people use that word and bring that into their daily practice.
2: Yeah. I, I love that. That's so cool that you were able to surrender to the past experiences and then accept a new possibility and that's mm-hmm. I really believe there's coding in us when you look at the DNA you look at laminin it's actually a cross the laminin that gives life it's insane and and so you see in the DNA the, the complexities of it could not have just been from a bang out of nowhere that's it It's it, there's a creator an intelligent design behind <laughs> it, and so I believe that our soul has coding in it that when we do do this we activate a new level of this connection it, it recognizes that in us mm. it's it's something you can't even explain it's like you know i've taken drugs in the past and all these things and it's like yeah okay i had this experience, but like not this this is so it's like to be fully like conscious and aware and, be and to have that euphoric ecstasy type experience mm. because of a soul connection is insane to experience that it's mm. like you can't unfeel that you know Mm-hmm. So that's what I, I pray that everyone gets to experience it in their life. And I, I, you know, I, I believe we have our opportunities and time. And some people, um, you know, they want to lean on all of their own understandings and not open themselves up to the supernatural, you know, to, to what's possible beyond just what we see here logically. You know?
0: mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to ask you, probably to round off the first half, because we could talk for hours, um, with the New World Order. From the powers that be. Um, <laughs> we're going there. Um, I understand that the intention of the New World Order is to eradicate religion. What's your views or thoughts on that?
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe they want to give that a shot. Um, in my understanding of the prophecies which have been on point throughout history, you look at the Book of Daniel, prophesied the collapse of Babylon, he said it to King Nebuchadnezzar's face, that a smaller lesser empire will come and destroy your empire, Uh, Medo-Persia, and it happened. And then Medo-Persia was then taken by Greece, uh, Alexander the Great, and then um, when he died, because he was depressed, he conquered damn near most of the world, he drowned himself in alcohol, alcohol poisoning, I think. Ended him or he crawled into a river drunk and died at like 23 or 24 something like 26 like young young insane that it split off to his four generals and then um, all this was all prophesied before it even happened right nuts and these prophecies were found with the Dead Sea Scrolls It's, it's legitimate stuff you know and then after that the prophecy of Rome comes into play and this is when Christ comes in that time and we have this big battle going on where the way of Christ blows up and then Rome goes oh that's powerful we're going to use that now and call them little Christ which evolved into the words Christians and then they use their church and state power to dominate and uh, they brought in the Jesuits which is the militia of the Catholic Church Um, and then you start seeing this like infiltration, the thing is Rome never actually collapsed it was attacked on a couple of the borders, Uh, Constantinople was taken up on the upper up in northeast um, by the Muslims, uh, which now you see as is Turkey, uh, Istanbul became Istanbul, and you see a couple other spots in Rome uh, of the Roman Empire that was taken, but they never actually fully collapsed. They crumbled from the inside because of immorality, because they became so greedy and selfish, and uh, didn't look after their people. It's like I mean. To be honest, look at what Biden's doing to America right now. It's essentially a collapse of the empire. They're going through the same patterns right now. It's insane. And so there's just like collapsing. Um, the The powers of the the elites that were running in the background at that time never went away. They continued, and then that ended up being those that carried on. That ended up funding the Jews. Ended up, the, which becomes not all Jews, but certain factions and the Rothschilds. They were called the Red, which means Red Shield um and then it evolved into those that organized money, those that organized corporations and so on and and you know, the the believers of Christ at the time, um, further down the line after the uh, Catholic um, church and state power actually went after a few tribes in Europe and you've never heard of them. They've been deleted basically, they've been taken out. This was all prophesied too and you have just who you have now like Franco, uh, France, you have um, it was Germania, G- um, Germany you, know, you still have these here and they were considered in the prophecy the three ones that disappeared was all prophetic. it's insane, this is like uh, 2000 years before so we see all this happening and, and then it leads us up to uh, the believers escaping Europe of persecution and landing in a place called America so America where they escaped persecution and it was a God blessed country and it wasn't perfect. They had slavery, and they had their civil wars. They had things going on for sure. But there were there's something different about America. It had this like protection of God for a while. And it flourished, thrived. But short, slowly, but surely, you start to see this infiltration in the first like fifty to sixty years, where the tentacles of of this Roman power that still I- existed as an invisible, more so influence in the background starts getting their tentacles into what America. What? Year, what
1: year? What? What year are we talking? Like,
2: first establishment of America, like what, for, uh how long have they been around? 300, 400 years, something like that? Yep. I don't know exactly. So, like,
1: number, 1500 a- a- AD type thing?
2: uh Potentially, yeah, around that, that time. I think it might have been a little bit after, 1600 or 1700, something like that. But okay. when we're looking at it, right, we're looking at this and then we're going, okay, so there is this evil empire, or this empire that's used as a vehicle for evil. Finally, Rome becomes this, like, all before it. If you look at Greece, like Mesopotamia, um, Medo-Persia, and Babylon, they all, like, passively disagreed with God and they wanted people to worship their idols and they had their missions and that. But Rome was the first one to utilize church and state power and wage war on God. They twisted the commandments. They changed things out about the certain laws they had at the time. it um, was attack on God's people. They were doing persecution of the Christians. Over 30 million Christians died in the Spanish Inquisition and then through the Crusades. That um, they weren't perfect either, by the way. The Church had gone and killed people too, you know. But we see this massive turning of it in itself, and this, this is when we know it's a beast system. It's not of God, right? Because it even fights in on its own self and cuts it up. And this is what was happening. They were killing like Nero in Rome was feeding children, women to lions in the Colosseum. They were finding believers of the way of Christ. Side of the street and lighting them up with, with, you know, wood and and bush around them, and they call them human torches. Like this is kind of this is the potential of evil in this world that I'm talking about. But this is when an empire was at its height of greed and power, right? And to utilize this religioso power, like when I hear you asking that question, Emma, you know, is this new world order going to try and collapse religion? It could say that it's doing that, but it's not. It's actually going to be a religious and political power that come together to take hold of the world. Religion worked really well for Rome. They're going to come again, and they're going to use it in a way down the line, whether it's in our lifetime or after. And I know someone maybe listens to this now, like, oh my gosh. But prophecies in the scriptures, when you look at Daniel and then you look at um, Revelation, it's it's a full-blown attack on the remnant of Christ, the remnant who actually come out of what you would see as church systems, evangelical Christians and even Catholic Christians, even those in other belief systems as well. It would be a massive spiritual battle, but coming after the remnant of Christ, the people that speak the truth. And there'll be a lot of people, there'll be so many people I think that will actually turn, you'd never think would, that would actually come to see Christ and, and come in that walk. But this new world order that tries to create this one world governance and funnel everybody into one world system, they will never fully achieve it. God promised they won't. That Christ will come to destroy it before it could even get to that point. That's not to mean it won't get tough and it won't feel like it's that, but it won't have its full power. Christ will come and put it in its way. In the return, when will read Revelation. Well, like, look, the book of Revelation in a nutshell is Jesus wins. That's it. <laughs>
1: <Great> <laughs> and we're done. That. Well, we don't need to do part two <laughs> of the yeah, podcast. I was,
0: gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to well, say that. It's crazy to see the time that we're in right now.
2: Oh, what does this passage in Revelation mean? You won't be able to buy and sell. Unless the, uh, you have uh, received a mark on your right hand on your boy. It's like people are, like tripping now because they're like, oh, the things I heard in church when I was little, like they're coming back to wanting to know the scriptures.
0: It's crazy.
1: So I've got questions actually. We'll save them for the second. Yeah. second half.
0: I think this is a perfect segue.
1: Yeah. So what we'll do now, let's wrap up this and then for those that are joining us, for the second half of the podcast, we're going to dive into Revelations, the Scriptures. Uh, there's a guy named John, fantastic guy. Had yeah. <laughs> a, <laughs> um, and it, it's about, it goes into end times, uh, which is when the world really starts to crumble. So yeah, if you want to hear more from Joel and his wisdom and what's, what's happening in the world, then stay tuned for part two.
0: Awesome. See you then.